Boy, that intro never gets old, does it? I love that intro. Again, thank you to Peter Romero, uh, our graphics and music supervisor, for putting that together for us. What, what a fantastic intro. I just I love it so much. We're back with Marketing Tip Tea Time. And as you can tell, I haven't quite gotten over my you know little bit of a sore throat. So today we're going to see if I can get through you know without coughing or sneezing or doing something uh, like that. But today... Let me tell you, we have another very special guest, and I say that every time, and I, and I say that I say it every time, every time. But today, we have Hannes Schwarm, and let me tell you, this is going to be a fantastic episode that's going to have a lot of tips and tricks and sips of tea for you to enjoy. Hannes studied business administration with a focus on marketing in Germany and Hong Kong. After graduating, he worked for Volkswagen and Vakdams before starting the marketing consultancy Mr. Wolf Consulting in 2017. Hannes and his team help clients such as BMW, Commerce Bank, Volkswagen, Lamborghini, BASF, and Swarovski to better understand their target group. Please help me in welcoming Hannes Schwarm. There he is. Hello, um, all the way from Germany. All the way from beautiful Berlin, Germany, where it is currently zero degrees Celsius. And oh, wow. um, yeah, thanks for having me. So glad to be on the show. No problem. And what, what time is it in, in Germany right now? It's actually 4 p.m. So the workday is ending. You're my last right. and final call for today. Wow. Yeah, it's 8 a.m. here in Greeley, Colorado. So, <laughs> yep. And, and, and it is also very cold here. It was uh, very icy this morning getting to the studio. Um, if you live in Colorado, you know it's cold this winter <laughs> and lots of snow. Do you have lots of snow where you're at, Hannes? I mean, Berlin is, of course, a big city, so there's not much snow uh, that's sticking around for a couple of mm. hours. Maybe we get some snow for a couple of minutes and then everything is demolished by so many cars and everything. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, let me tell you, everyone, we're disappointed because the tea did not get to Hannes on time. I blame the United States Postal Service for this. All right, it's been, it's been plinking around the U.S. for about a week and a half. Hasn't even left Florida yet, I don't think. Um, but we had a beautiful, beautiful tea picked out for Hannes that the team at Rishi helped us to pick out. It is one of their Garden Direct teas. And uh, if you don't know what that is, a Garden Direct tea is actually they have these partners around the world that they go and they handpick from organic small community gardens and then hand dry the teas and ship them to the United States. So um, this specific tea that Rishi helped us to pick out for Hannes, which he won't be enjoying with us on the show, but we'll be enjoying later, is the Uji Homare Gyokuro. And uh, this tea, let me tell you a little bit about it, because this is very special. They only had 300 of these produced this year, and we were in, I got batch 186, so Hannes is going to be getting batch somewhere in the 180s. Uh, we'll see which one he gets. But let me tell you a little bit about it. And shout out to Rishi T for, for trying to get this to him as fast as possible and for dealing with all of the customs and all of the craziness to try and get teas out uh, internationally. So here are the field notes for this tea, which it comes with a, a beautiful card. Homari is a Gyokuro blend that comes from one of our old friends who is a fifth generation Gyokuro and matcha producer. He is running his family's Uji Kyoto based tea business, Haikusien, which was established in 1867. 
The blend is said to represent the classic blue-green essence and vibrancy of the UGT Terrier. Its complexity is derived from aged and blended cultivars, including a high percentage of Goko. The blend is made according to an old technique and formula held by the Haikusian company that differentiates their Gyokuro from all other Uji brands. Homare is about 50% hand-picked and 50% scissors cut. The teas are harvested in Kyotanabe, Uji Tawara, and Fukuchiyama. Nearly the same raw materials for Shupin Gyokuro are used in the Humare blend, but the ratio of Uji Tawara is higher in Shupin. And this is from the Uji Kyoto Prefecture, Japan. Um, they, they just do a, a fantastic job describing the tea and uh, really packaging it beautifully. Kolya, who you know Kolya um, from Vakdoms, who was on the show, he said that their teas are like the apple packaging of teas. It's such a, <laughs> a beautiful package. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and blend it or uh, steep it here, blend it, steep it. And we'll see how this tastes. It's, it's a beautiful, the camera can't really see, but um, just a beautiful color, blue-green, vibrant, is what these leaves look like. You, you really feel fancy when you're serving this tea, let me tell you. It, <laughs> I know he's just watching, going, wow, I wish I had that right now. It's, uh, it's coming to you, I, mean, I swear. I, I, have to, I have to say, Aaron, you just reading it, you know, just reading it made me so excited uh, for this tea to be finally here in a couple of days. Uh, and oh, I will perfect. definitely appreciate it. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, le and let us know how it is when you receive it. Let me tell you, this does have some special um, steeping instructions. And that is mm -hmm. that what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to boil your water and then let it cool to 160 degrees, 165 degrees Fahrenheit. And then um, it is really good if you actually have it on like a second flush. Um, mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm you know, having all of those sort of notes. And while that's steeping, we're going to go ahead and dive. I know we, we focused on the tea a lot today, but this is just such a special tea that Rishi, specifically, I talked with their customer support and we have a great relationship with them and, and they recommended this. So I wanted to give due diligence to all of the hard work that Rishi Tea put into um, shipping this tea to us and to, to Hannes for this. While it's steeping, because it does have to steep for a little bit, I'm going to jump into the questions and... Um, Let's see where this goes. So the first few questions, Hannes, are um, really sort of quick fire answers. Uh, it's sort of this or that, very quick, a description, um, or you know, just something very fast. So here we go. My first question is, what is MC Beach Fest? <laughs> You've done your research. Uh, I'm really happy you called it MC Beach Fest and not Mac Beach Fest. Um, <laughs> Yep. So you see, I don't know if there's a really fast answer to it, but we do a festival once a year. It's happening in Berlin and it's uh, the organizer is the Marketing Club Berlin and therefore it's MC Marketing Club B Berlin. And we call this uh, oh. festival, which comes with an award uh, for the Berlin marketing community. We call it MC Beach Fest. Um, and I sit on the board of the marketing club in Berlin. And it's basically yeah, just a club of, of, of local marketeers uh, on the corporate side, working in marketing, up to, uh, marketing departments, so many CMOs, for example, but also on the agency and consultancy side, 
on the supplier side. There were, so there's a bunch of cool people coming together once a year for the MC Beach Fest. We're currently organizing the next one in, in June 2023. And um, yeah, you probably saw the one with the pictures from 2022, which was uh, yeah, quite a yeah. blast. Wow. I'm, I'm expecting a, a an invitation, by the way. No, just <laughs> all the way from the United States, kind of breaking the uh, the Berlin, I guess, community there. Then um, tea or coffee. Let's make it happen. Let's let, oh, let's perfect. make it yeah. happen. Let, yeah, you're, get, you're get me invited out there. as perfect. a special a special guest. Uh, maybe you can deliver a keynote or some remarks from some dispatch from the U.S. That would be really cool. All right, let's talk. Um, all right, next question is uh, tea or coffee? Uh, you know that I'm a tea lover. Uh, I, I very rarely drink coffee. It's just literally like once a month or even once every six weeks I drink coffee. And then I'm really awake, you know, I'm yeah. really awake uh, because with tea, you know, it's a more long term effect. So I love to drink tea. I drink maybe a liter, one and a half liters per day. Uh, so wow. every time I choose tea. That's that's the exact same amount that Kolya said on the show. Actually, he Maybe said he, he said he does. Influence. Yeah, he said he does drink up to two some days, two liters. So that's that is a Too lot of tea. <laughs> All right, uh, digital or print media? Ah, good question. So uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I would have said digital because I'm this you know gadget guy who needs to own everything. But I yeah. read a book recently called um, The Future is Analog from David Sachs. And he has written a book before called uh, the, Re the Revenge of Analog. And that's a really cool book from a, um, a, okay. I think a Canadian author who um, yeah, made some really good points about the, the analog future that is still worth exploring and why um, also some analog tools like print media has also still value. So I read both. I read magazines in print still, my weekly subscription to a, a big German um, magazine is still in print, but I also, of course, read a lot in digital. So I could not really choose. I would choose both if that's possible. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, and the next question is, and I think everybody wants to know, what what is Mr. Wolf Consulting? You know, take us through what you do and what it is. Yeah, happy, happy to do it. So do you know Winston Wolf? I, I do not know Winston Wolf. No. So Winston Wolf is a character from a very famed, um, a very famous um, Quentin Tarantino movie called Pulp Fiction. And oh, in this movie, Pulp okay, Fiction, yes, I do. Okay, yes. Now that you've, all right, I got. I was like, no, I thought, I thought it was maybe a, an actual person. So okay, okay, perfect. Making so it's sense. This now. character. It's this character who comes in and he just solves problems. There's this famous line in the movie where he gets a call and he's asked like, can you come? And he's like, yeah, I'm 10 minutes away. Uh, I'm 30 minutes away. I will be there in 10. See you. <laughs> so that, this wow. is the guy who is really a problem solver. And when we set out to yeah, create this consultancy, we said, how do we want to work for our clients? What is different about us? And we said, we want to be like Mr. Wolf, you know, we want to come in, we want to solve problems. We don't want to be too dependent on one single industry. We don't want to serve one, you know, one single channel. For example, there are a lot of digital agencies out there. 
uh, Kolya that you mentioned is running this big live uh, event agency. We, as Mr. Wolf said, we want to be more on the strategic side. We want to work omni-channel. And we really want to help people and help solve problems. So this was the initial right. impulse to, to yeah, found uh, Mr. Wolf. Wow. And what we do today is, is mainly um, a lot of uh, strategic marketing stuff. Uh, and most of it is target group analysis, actually. So we help our clients to better understand their target groups because it doesn't matter what you do. If you come up with a communication campaign or if you do digital marketing or if you're trying to come up with a new product even or with a pricing scheme, the target group needs are always the basis, of course, uh, for all right. your conceptualizations and so on. So we do a lot of persona workshops. We do a lot of working um, helping our clients to better understand their target groups. Wow. Okay. So uh, there's probably a lot of research involved with that, a lot of diving into data, exactly. analytics. Okay. And I have some really crazy people on the team who can do much more with when it comes to statistics than I can. But um, <laughs> you're uh, yeah. absolutely right. There's the quantitative approach of really doing data analytics and diving deep into the data. But there's also, of course, the qualitative approach, you know, doing interviews right. and focus groups and really trying to figure out what are the maybe even underlying needs uh, of our consumers and of our customers. So um, this is a lot of what we do, but I would say we're not a traditional market research institute. You know, we don't have our own panel or so. We always yeah. try to focus in what is the problem of the client and how can we help with that? And then maybe even, and this is maybe the last sentence, uh, the last very promotional sentence. <laughs> um, the, the thing that differentiates us is I think a implementation driven approach. You know, a lot of consultancies, they come in, and they only do you know the analysis the insights and then they right. hand over to an agency who's executing stuff and i have seen in my life a lot of slide decks where there's i don't know 100 powerpoint pages and in the end you ask yeah but what to do about it there's a lot of analysis yeah. you know and you can i mean i'm sure you know it there is on the client side sometimes there is this analysis paralysis where you yep. have all the information but you don't know what to do and this yep. is where the mr wolf style the problem solver style comes in this is the analysis, but at the same time, we go in and come up with creative ideas and try to yeah. come up with very specific, maybe even um, uh, MVPs that we can just trial and see what sticks. That makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. Okay. So then, you know, what was your journey like to become the managing director at Mr. Wolf? You, you worked at, you know, Voc Doms, which seems like it had a huge influence on you. And then you started this other sort of consultancy agency. Um, and you also worked for Volkswagen. I mean, some some huge, huge brands. What was that journey like to to get to where you are now? It, it has been a ride. <laughs> so, I'm uh, I'm yeah. I, I tried to come up with a, a explanation for for the ride, but it's really hard to ex explain it, of course. <laughs> and there's yep. a lot of decisions happening at the specific time and place that I cannot even. You know, uh, explain now to myself why I cho I have chosen this way. And the full disclaimer: we are still part, as Mr. Wolf, we are still part of the Fog Dams Group. So um, I have some shares in the company, but also the larger um, Fog Dams Group has shares. So we are part of this Fog Dams Group, uh, and we really work collaboratively with the guys um, around Kolya. So gotcha. I, when I finished. 
So when I finished my studies, I um, would say um, I wanted to go to a brand that is really, you know, worldwide known and that is really has some credibility and where I can do really an impact, where I can make an impact. And then I joined Volkswagen uh, in Wolfsburg uh, in Germany at their yeah, headquarters. And I worked there in a department called Experiential Marketing. And um, oh. it Ooh. felt like hitting a wall, to be honest. <laughs> to be oh. really honest, it felt like hitting a wall. I was this really you know, curious, driven guy coming from, from university. I, I did this semester abroad in Hong Kong and, and studied marketing and, and everything. And I wanted to change the world. And then I started at this big company and felt a little bit like, I don't know, you know, you hit the wall, you know, it's just this um, bureaucracy and this big company and you have to get a permission for everything. And actually you're doing nothing or you're not learning much because the agencies are doing everything for you. So right. I only stuck around for, for half a year or so. And then I said, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to change here. I need to switch maybe to the agency side. And I asked right, my right. boss at this, that time, and I'm really grateful for her input. I asked her, what is a great agency? And, and she said, yeah, you should go to Fog Dams. And um, she even called uh, at that time, she called Kolya and said, I have this guy. And then, you know, because I was coming from the client side, Fog Dams had to hire me, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I started at Fog Dams in almost 10 years ago in 2012 and wow. never looked back. So um, I really had a great time working there, not in executing events, uh, sometimes in conceptualizing and developing and designing events, but most of the time on the more strategic side. There was a department called right. Fogdams Consulting and then Fogdams Strategic Solutions. And what we did uh, was always yeah, asking what are the motives, what are the needs and wishes from the event guests and how can we deliver events for this particular demographic or, or target group. So a lot of, again, analysis and strategic insight um, and also um, more yeah, strategic stuff like which events, which third party events like trade shows should this brand oh. go to? Or how do yeah. I measure the impact of, of events? How do I measure the return on invest of events? So a lot of these strategic que questions and, uh, and projects led to me asking myself if I want to have a more broader experience and be more a advisor and consultant in a more omni-channel or, or cross-channel capacity. So not only talk right. about events and live marketing, but have um, also the same questions and answers in digital marketing, for example. And this is what where I said I want to be more independent. I want to have my own little small business or or a segment of a business, and we founded uh, Mr. Wolf Consulting. And uh, as I said, Kolya is, is, is still one of the, the shareholders and one of my close partners. And uh, I really enjoy working with the colleagues uh, of Fogdams, but also running my own little show here, uh, Mr. Wolf Consulting, cool. with now a team of eight people, uh, actually, eight, eight wow, individuals. Congratulations. We started in 2017. It's just me and a, and a working student. Uh, and now um, we we grew this business to to eight individuals that yeah, that really, uh, which I value every day, like coming into the office and working with these great guys. Yeah, 
Wow, that is, you said it was quite the journey, and I'm, I bet that was the sort of shortened version of the entire journey. Um, you know, what role did, did mentors and different business leaders play in, in that journey? Uh, I... Does that work? Like this, is it okay? That's good. Yeah, ah, okay, good. open it up at the bottom. Sorry for that. So how about this? Does it work? Perfect. Thank you. So mentors, I I would say you can never overestimate the value of great mentors. And I had a few, like from the beginning, Collier was there, but also other uh, mentors. Um, I don't know if, if, they, if they can see it, like David Korter, Tim Kriegelstein, all these uh, guys who were my first bosses and um, the guys which I learned so much from, um, I cannot, I'm 100% sure that I would not be in the position that I am now without those guys. So yeah. it's about um, giving wiggle room. I don't know if that's the correct terminology. Yeah, wiggle you know? room. Yeah, you, yeah, that, yeah. You, you know, this freedom that you can have only under a great boss who trusts you and, um, and who really make sure that you have some face time with even your boss's boss and, and so on. So this is really important. And uh, I highly value those interactions. That's, you know, we, we hear a lot of people on the show say that relationships are everything and getting them where, you know, they are and, and, and in accomplishing goals. So, you know, that's been something that we've seen time and time again. Cole, you had mentors. Uh, everybody has somebody who's like, all right, let's let's take it to the next level. And yeah, to give you that wiggle room, that creative space to do, to develop yourself um, and not to just, as you said, you got stuck in one where you were in the bureaucracy and it was just doom, 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 doom. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't really have any wiggle room there where you really start to grow. This is not just... Completely agree. And I, this is not to say, of course, that you cannot have a really fulfilling career on the corporate side as well. But for me, agency side was definitely a lot better because I can grow much faster. And when I, uh, you know, coach my uh, my direct reports, uh, even today, I say there are two things that determine your career, your results and your relationships, you know, and if you only have one, it will not work out. So you need both results and relationships. That's per we call that spilling the tea on marketing tip tea time. Uh, that was a great bit of advice, and I always repeat it for everyone who's watching or listening. He said that you need two things: you need your results and your relationships, and you need them both to happen together. Um, so write that down if you're a student. <laughs> and wow, that that's some that's some great advice. Uh, you know, it sounds like a lot of what you do is data-driven, analytics-driven, but there's still this creative side. Can you tell me how uh, creative work plays a role in Mr. Wolf Consulting and, and what you do for clients? It's of vital importance. I would say that clients um, value this so much when we come in and they say, oh, finally, I have one partner, especially like when you have small and medium-sized businesses as clients, mm. they cannot 
you know, the, it is too expensive to have one consultancy doing the strategy and the analysis and the insights and then one agency for this and one agency for this and then one agency for this channel. They value us as one partner, one-stop shop where they can get the, all their marketing needs fulfilled, let's say it this way. Okay? Oh. So um, basically, they oftentimes say to me, prior to engaging Mr. Wolf, I needed a consultancy doing the analysis and the insights, and then I needed a creative agency to take this slide deck and come up with creative ideas. And we, not all the time, but most of the times we managed to deliver both and come up with a more integrated version of that. Because from the analysis, there comes the creative ideas. You have these jumping off points that are oftentimes get lost um, when you work with two separate partners. It's a little bit like I always yeah. do this comparison to Apple. Apple computers are so, or also the smartphones are so usable because hardware and software are coming from the same um, provider. And yeah. this is the same with us. The analysis, the insights, and also the creative ideas are coming from the same provider. And this is what a lot of clients really value. So yeah, creativity is really a big part of our business. We have people in the team, we have individuals that are really more focused on the creative part of the equation. So there right. are, are these people who, you know, scroll through the internet the entire day because creativity in essence is just a combination of existing approaches. Um, but um, right. they, they scroll through the internet and they found the weirdest stuff and they always make it applicable to our clients' problems. And um, then we have more analytical guys um, who, as you said, are digging deep into the data, have uh, tremendous, you know, SPSS and Excel and all these data-driven tools uh, skills. You, oh, wait, you but said SPSS. You, oh. you use SPSS? Yeah, from time to time, sure. We oh my to, gosh, you're the read. only agency in all. I learned that in college. I learned how to use SPSS. You're the only agency I've ever talked to who has ever said they use SPSS. That's incredible. We also use Tableau <laughs> and we also use uh, oh, I love Tableau. You know, other yeah. tools like. So, so there's a lot of, uh, of, of statistics and analysis of course going on. So, but you don't have to be a data analyst. You don't have to, you know, I, I can program a little bit in R, this, this statistical programming language, and I can yeah. use SPSS, but I'm of course not a, not a, not a professional only doing this. I'm, I'm running the company here, but I have people in the team, of course, who are really um, knowledgeable when it comes to finding this little insight that all the others missed in the stream of data. Because as right. I said earlier, it's not so much that we don't have the data, it's that we don't have clarity and that we don't have the time to think and really look at what we have as data generated and really come up with an insight and say, this is particular about the target group. It's this little motive structure that, that sticks and this can be the basis of our whole segmentation and uh, that others maybe missed and they just did a social demographic uh, segmentation and saying our target group is I don't know, 35 to 55 with this income, but they forget about the psychographics. They forget about the needs and, and wants and underlying desires. Wow. That is really cool. I, you know, I think this is a really important episode, especially for some students, because me going through marketing school, we learned SPSS, we learned Tableau, we learned R, we learned all these things. 
and then we never used them again. And <laughs> um, I, I use Tableau. I, I love Tableau. But uh, Reardon, if you're watching, I'm going to send this to my old professor, Professor Reardon, because he's the one who taught us all of that. Um, it looks like people do use these <laughs> do use these things. I um, yeah, I'm sort of surprised. Sorry, I was just uh, yeah surprised by the the suite of of tools that you're using is so sophisticated um, that you must get very precise personas and segmentation and demographic information and psychographic information, um, which is what puts you sort of ahead of all the other companies doing this as well. I mean, just two, two comments um, uh, from my side. I would say first, what, what we always do is we try to make these personas in a way that you can actually work with them. You know, all the data right. analytics, uh, all the underlying structures and everything, it doesn't, it doesn't accumulate too much if you have a persona in the end that it's not usable. So when we come up with personas, for example, to segment the target group and to make it visible what they want and how they want to receive marketing communications from our clients, then we always try to come up with also a, a process and a way to to yeah, make these personas usable, you know, and it's sometimes really basic, you know, it's not sophisticated at all. It's just, you know, this big persona canvas, just print it in the large, largest size possible, print it and put it in your office so that you have it visible. I see so many personas that are in a drawer, you know, that, that are mm. in a drawer and that, that yeah. are not used. But a persona is only as good as you use it on a daily basis. When you write your email newsletter text, when you come up with an Instagram visual, only then um, is a persona a good persona if you use it on a daily basis. So this is, um, right. this is something that is important. And the other aspect that I want to mention here is that, of course, the quantitative stuff is important. And as you said, there are a lot of tools that you can use. We don't use uh, these tools um, in every single project and in every single day but we use it fairly often because it is important. But a second layer is also important, which is the qualitative aspect of it. We do a lot of interviews and a lot of focus groups, and then we analyze it. And there's also some methods and methodologies that we can geek out about, you know, uh, content analysis um, from my ring that you can use with color coding, interview transcripts mm. and everything. Of course, this is, is fancy, but um, you know, one of the best or some of the best personas that we did, we actually did with just thinking about the target group together with the client and having a workshop with a sales representative who knows the customers from our client mm. for 20 years. And we just come up with this stuff, you know? We don't had a focus group, we don't had an interview, no survey was sent out that was sophisticated uh, and uh, analyzed, but we just had a very experienced senior salesperson who knew the client and could say, oh, this person, this segment, we always approach this way and this segment we approach this way. And then we just had, had to take notes and, and write it down. Wow. So there's always this mixture of quantitative, uh, quantitative surveys, qualitative interviews, maybe um, some statistics that are publicly available about a certain demographic or psychographic. Right. And then um, also these just workshops where we talk about the target group and their behavior. Wow. That is a fantastic method of, you know, different angles and 
approaching the same sort of problem through multiple angles where some of it is just trusting in the staff that the company already has, the salespeople to say, okay, you've been here for a long time. You know what's happening. Go ahead and, and tell us. Uh, and that must be super empowering, empowering for their team then as well to think they trust us enough to say, you know, we're going to sit down with you because you know. So that that yeah. must be empowering to the team as well. Um, I'm going to yeah, You mentioned switch. a very, very good point. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, so, sorry, Dune. Uh, you mentioned a very good point. Um, we never, we say we never develop personas for our clients. We always say we develop it with, together with them because mm. uh, they know their, their target group, you know, they know their customers. We just deliver the tools and maybe the analysis, the MarTech stack um, to, to maybe deepen the understanding or asking the right questions in a semi-structured interview or in a focus group. But um, we always do it together collaboratively with the client because if we yeah. develop for them then there is no buy-in on the client side and um yeah so very good good point that you mentioned about the trust wow. that comes from actually developing it uh, as a client themselves yeah yeah that's cool um this tea guys i'm gonna switch gears for a second sorry hannes it's amazing <laughs> it's it is it is an amazing tea it's very subtle um, it's, it's sort of like Essentia, but a little bit deeper, a little bit more texture, a little bit richer, uh, which is exactly what Rishi told me it would be. So thank you again, Rishi. I just wanted to, uh, you know, highlight the tea now that it's been steeped and I've been drinking it for a little bit. Uh, you know, it's really great if you have a slight cold and then you have a tea show, it actually works out pretty well, uh, <laughs> to be drinking the tea. Um, you know, my next question, you, you must have been through a million problems that you've solved. Uh, you know, a, a million different angles that you approach different problems. Can you tell me about a really crazy problem that you solved for a client at Mr. Wolf and how you solved that? And you don't have to mention the client, but just whatever the problem was. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, let me let me think about where we where do we have existing NDAs and and what can I what can I reveal <laughs> or maybe disguise a little bit? So um, I, I think one project that is really, really a long time ago, which we started in yeah the, the last decade, um, where I can also mention the, the client was for for a European sports um, sports car company that you might be heard of. Uh, it's called Lamborghini. Uh, no, and Lamborghini, uh, I've never. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know Lamborghini for sure. Yeah. So uh, there is, of course, a very particular target group when you think of who is buying a half a million euro Lamborghini. Um, it's not the old rich. It's not old money, right? It's more like the sports right. superstar or maybe the, I don't know, the hustler or, you know, the, the one who, who is really, uh, who made, who's self-made and who has a certain psychographic, who's maybe maybe not so much an academic or, or so on, right? Not a business right. man. And um, these are the guys who are buying Lamborghinis, mostly guys. And when we <laughs> delve deep into the data and, and try to look at these target groups, uh, we found out that actually the Lamborghini is, on average, the fifth car of the household, which is <laughs> curious, I think. Uh, That's very interesting. And, 
and and we found a lot more about the target group. Um, maybe I can remember other stuff, but what 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 we had as a task, as a problem to solve from the client. This is what we always ask our clients: like, what is the problem that we can solve? Um, they said that they had this new car out at this time. It was the Lamborghini Huracan. So the Lamborghini Aventador was the one that was really selling successfully half a million euros, really aggressive, you know, bold, cutting, yeah. uh, cutting edge. Uh, and the Lamborghini Huracan was a little bit more um, on the, uh, on the, I don't know, not so bold, not so loud. Uh, it's a little bit more rounded edges. And it was only a quarter of a million, only 250,000 Europe. And it was more presented as maybe a car that also a female buyer would buy. Mm. But they found out that it was really well selling in the US and, for example, in the um, uh, United uh, Arabs uh, in, in these countries. But in the EMEA region uh, in Europe, it was not selling very well. So uh, mm. we delved deep into the target group and found out, okay, what is the problem? Okay, there are existing other, there are other brands that are more for these buyers, you know, maybe um, when you're a female, when you're more sophisticated, when you don't want such an aggressive car, you're buying a very expensive Porsche or you're buying right. uh, a McLaren or a Ferrari and you're not buying Lamborghini. So we really looked at this target group and said, okay, what are their needs? Where, where are they? Where are the touch points with these target groups? Do we find them in, at golf courses or do we find them in, in fancy restaurants or private member clubs? And, and we developed a, a very um, interesting strategy for them. Again, analysis and insight, and then directly from this creative ideas and, and actual creative concepts. So the creative concept that we came up with was um, quite interesting. We um, said that we might um, partner with a realtor. Uh, the realtor uh, is selling villas and uh, nice mansions above from 15 million euros. And uh, in these mansions, we just said, okay, uh, these are, we knew from the target group research that these mansions are also, when they are sold, they are fully furnished, right? They are, all the furniture right. are already in there. And we said, okay, let's put a Lamborghini in the garage. And we can ask the couple who's buying the house, we can ask, should we leave the Lamborghini in or not? Uh, like, it's like the furniture, <laughs> you know, do you want to have it or not? And it's, it's basically a very old upsell technique. You know, you have something that has a certain value that is, is, comes at a certain price point, And then you can upsell a little bit. You know, when you buy a coat, you always get asked if you want to have a scarf or something with it, you know? Yeah. And when you buy a, a mansion with 15 million euros, um, then maybe you want to have this 250,000 euro Lamborghini in the garage, you know, because it's the fifth car of the household anyway. It's a fun car. It's not wow. uh, that it, you, either you have this car or not, you have a collection of cars. So um, the, the client was really happy. And in the end, I think we sold like, just with this one technique out of uh, a few that we proposed we sold seven cars, and uh, at this time, oh. I think the total—I think the total one was 200 cars all over Europe uh, per year. And so, seven cars really made a difference. Um, so, so this is one of the very specific ideas that we can only come up with because we really understand the target group. We are—I always say—we yeah. are the advocate of the target group. I'm always baffled with how. Uh, 
with so less companies, so um, few companies, sorry, so few companies only understand their target groups, especially yeah. when it comes to B2C. Um, so I always say the bait is for the fish and not for the one who's fishing, you know. So um, <laughs> we really understand right. what the fish uh, uh, yeah, likes. Wow. Yeah, we see that all the time as well, where sometimes there'll be certain clients who the marketing that they want is kind of for them. It's what they like. Yeah, exactly. And not exactly for the customer. And we, we, you know, we have that conversation all the time with clients where we say, if you like what the marketing looks like, there's a good chance you're not quite doing yeah. it right. <laughs> Absolutely so, right. Um, Wow. And I see so many just walking down the street in Berlin. I see I see so many like out of home advertisings, so many TV ads, all the ad campaigns that I see that I know, and I think to myself, oh, there is a marketeer who really loved this idea, but it doesn't yeah. resonate with the target group. I can promise it doesn't resonate with the target group. It only resonates with with marketeers and with the marketing department of this individual yep. brand. So um, a persona can really help with it, actually. If you really yeah. think, okay, this persona, it's called, I don't know, Aaron. Aaron is this age and Aaron has these uh, motives and this, these underlying uh, desires. And uh, if you really think, okay, what would Aaron like? Then, then it's way better than just, you know, guessing what um, and then coming right. up with solutions that maybe even the marketing department just doesn't like again spilling the tea here on marketing tip tea time uh fantastic bit of advice our last question is what is and we've covered this a little bit you've alluded to it a little bit but what is the number one skill that a person a person should have if they want to work at mr wolf consulting with you as you mentioned <laughs> uh, we we touched upon the subject a couple of times that we have specialists on the team but i would say it's like a t specialization you know they go deep in one topic but overall they have a broad knowledge and are more like generalists so i would say and one single skill is really hard because if you're really advanced in one skill then it's not the same for everyone maybe i would say that one skill that i always look for in new hires is can they bring clarity to the table, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even at a young age, uh, you because there's so much going on. And especially, as you know, on the agency or on the supplier side, you have a lot of different client demands and there's a lot of, you know, emails and Slack and uh, a lot of stuff going on and yep. you get overloaded really easy. So in that kind of environment um, that I often call a hyperactive hive man, uh, a hyperactive hive mind that was coined by uh, Cal Newport, a really good author. In this hyperactive hive mind environment, um, can you create clarity? Um, can you sit on a table and really clearly have an argument and a with a logical structure and can really derive from facts and data, can you really derive the essence? Um, this right. type of bringing clarity is uh, is something that is really important. That is the, maybe the number one skill that I look for in new hires at Mr. Wolf. Wow, I think that's really important because many people come and even in school, especially in the U.S., we're sort of taught. You know, there's a let's say you have a report and you have to have a certain number of pages. They say fill ten pages. 
Well, you start to just have lots of fluff and, you know, starting my own agency and I'm sure, you know, um, <clears throat> the longer it is, m the more confusing it gets for <laughs> whatever you're trying to convey as short and succinct and clear as you can make a message or a persona or something so that it takes no time to understand it is really, really, yeah, what you said, that essence, getting to the essence and making yeah. sure that we can do that. And a lot of people have to unlearn that from school, have to unlearn the yeah. write me 10 pages worth of a report, write me 100 pages worth of something. Um, and I think that's very I good for, yeah, I think that's very good for, you know, people to, for people to understand those who are students and or lifelong students who are, you know, constantly learning in, in whatever their role is. I think that's really important. Well, let me tell there you everyone quote, that, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I love quotes. Sorry, we have a little uh, lag here. So the, the, just one thing to wrap it up because I loved what you just said. There is this quote which is attributed to multiple authors. I don't know which one is the real one, but uh, he was writing, he was starting a letter with uh, saying, thank you for your letter earlier. Please excuse my long answer. If I had more time, I would have written, written a shorter one. So, so this is exactly uh, what you what you just said in uh, in a quote, and uh, I think what, the shock that I see in my um, directs when they start working here or when they start working in general when they're coming out of university, as you said, they need to unlearn. And the shock is okay. Nobody gives us, you know, nobody <laughs> yeah. gives anything. But, you know, the teachers, the professors, they are paid actually to read through your stuff you know they are paid to read through your stuff and market and in marketing nobody is paid to read through your messaging nobody is paid to look at your uh, the content that you're creating so you right. completely need to unlearn and create content that is really valuable in itself and that people love to watch and listen to and read and this yeah, takes some time yeah that's a great point that's a great point they're paid to read our answers so you know <laughs> of course, a longer answer doesn't matter. Um, huh. Yeah, it's really making me think there. That, that, that's another spilling the tea on the show. Well, everyone, that's all the time we have for Hannes. But let me tell you, we're going we're gonna to have Hannes back for sure. Uh, I feel like we could talk about a lot of other things on this show with Hannes and dive into some more technical and creative aspects of his business. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you wrapping up your work day with us and we get to start our work day with you. So that's fantastic. Thank you to everyone who makes this show possible. Bike Shop Agency, uh, Josh French, uh, one of our producers, Phil Van Drunen, another one of our producers, Peter Romero, our graphics and music supervisor, Sheridan and Alyssa Youngval, our set designers. And thank you to Blaine Chastain, the owner of uh, you know, the studio in the building who allows us to use this. And everyone who has ever watched the show, we love you. Thank you so much. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and also go check out Mr. Wolf Consulting. You can check them out online, mrwolfconsulting.com. And uh, so you can go find him online and you can find his business. You can look at their social media. I did to do a little bit of research. Also go ahead and connect with Hannes on LinkedIn. He has a lot of very interesting content that he posts and uh, I'm gonna be following you know, well into the future, everything that he's posting because he posts a lot of really great stuff. And you can follow the MC Beach Fest through his LinkedIn as well, which is where we got that information. Again, everyone like, share, subscribe and Hannes again, Thank you so much for being on the show. And until next time, everyone, 
Nostra V, cheers. Thank you.